I had a really short message, and it's still short, but it was a snippet of a bigger message that I really didn't feel like I could give today. And then during worship, I felt like God was taking pieces from that bigger message and adding them to this. I just want to, before I start, I just want to say a few things. First off, marriage looks good on you guys. Amen. I know the sound was adjusted last week, and maybe there's more to come on that, but I sensed something more today. Alan just got, Alan and Julia, where's Julia? No, she's in the restroom. They just got married two weeks ago, and this is their first Sunday back. And so I definitely sensed more. And there were a couple of times I looked up, and I, I'm telling you, I don't want to say swear, but I really feel like I heard angels singing. And I was like, this, anyways, God is awesome. I am so thankful for our church. I'm thankful for you guys, Pastor Easy, Pastor Lena, Pastor Allen, and I'm thankful for our team and our ministry. Um, part of what I'm going to share today is three things. The mystery of 2 Corinthians 3.17. I want to share something that God explained to me, an illustration that he shared with me, and then a testimony. This is something he's been doing in the last couple of weeks. And it involves, I call it the convergence of concepts, because God's been pouring a bunch of things into my life in the last few weeks, and a lot of it has been through this place. Um, Sabata, your message two weeks ago really blessed me. And um, just the ministry that I personally receive here in this house affects and changes my life, and it affects and changes my family's life. And last week, Lena's sermon, Don't Be Dumb, there were several things that as she was preaching were tying into this work that God had been doing in my life in the last couple of weeks. And so I want to start with three key points that she made at the end of her message. First, we all need to be transformed. And, and I would say we all need to be being transformed. There's not an arrival. There's not a nirvana place where you get to and all of a sudden everything just hums. We're we are being transformed from glory to glory. And that's part of our inheritance, and that's what God wants for us. It is a process. It's not a magic trick or an overnight event. And none of us are created to be like each other. We all matter. And so I'm going to explain why those three things meant so much to me. Again, 2 Corinthians 3.17, I'd like to... If it goes up, don't put it up in the Passion Translation because I'm going to end with that. Read it in a different translation if you can. But here it is in the New Living Translation. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And last week I was in Louisiana, and the Lord was speaking to me about this verse. And he was showing me how easy it is to gloss over deep truths because we think we know what the words mean. And Lena was given lots of examples, you know, canceled checks and snippets and other. We, we use a lot of words and we don't know. All, we don't always know what the other person is saying or what we're saying. And, and it happens with scripture. And he was showing me in this verse how easy it is to move past the depth of the treasure that is hidden in that verse. Because when you think about God's spirit, what is the one thing you think about? God is omniscient. That means he's everywhere. God is, he's outside of time. He's ever present. 
And so if that's true, and that's what that verse is referring to, either the verse is not true because we don't see freedom everywhere in the world, or God's not real. But we know that God is real, and we know that there's not freedom everywhere. So there's, there's got to be something else to that verse to unlock the treasure that's hidden there. Before I explain what that was that God showed me, I was in Louisiana for another project on November 3rd in Lake Charles. And that same day, over in between Baton Rouge on the way to New Orleans, an event happened that took a lot of people's lives. There was a super fog. Anybody know what a super fog event is? It's an extremely dense fog that occurs, and you can't see more than 10 feet in front of you. There were 158 cars that all collided. Eight people died, and 63 people were injured. And there was a small group of people that were in the middle of it that said that they were unhurt and they were protected. And as they were sitting there, they just heard boom, 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 158 times. Can you imagine that? And it's, it's, a, it's a negative example of what, it's the inverse of what God was showing me. But he was showing me that in a way, his glory is like a super fog. Because when his glory is fully present, everything else stops. And you can drive into it as fast as you want to, as recklessly as you want to, as foolishly as you want to, as brazenly as you want to. You can think that, but everything stops when God's glory falls. And there was so much of, of the things on my heart in the message today that were being sung in worship. Breaking every chain. Catch me up in your story. Your glory come. Show me your face. Show me your glory. You rescued me. You brought me back to life. You can speak to that which is dead, Carol's word, and it will come back to life. On a note on that, you can also speak to the wrong things and they'll come back to life. Some things that are put to death need to not be called back to life. We were lost, separated, and blind. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. You washed me white. You brought me from darkness into glorious light. I've wept more in the last couple of weeks than I've wept in a while. And he was talking to me about heaven. And he was using a little bit of alliteration when he was showing me this. But if you look at heaven, there's a handful of words hidden in the word heaven. The first word that starts off heaven is he. There is no heaven without he. Heaven is not a place. It's where his presence is fully. His presence makes heaven what it is. If he were to not be there, heaven would not be heaven. So heaven is not a place. It is his presence. The second word that's hidden in there is an abbreviation for the word avenue, A-V-E. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So not only is he our destination, not a place, but he is the way to himself. And the word heave is hidden in the word heaven. We don't use that word today, so it won't make sense to us, but it's an older word, and it means to throw with effort something that's heavy. So if I were to take a big, heavy object and heave it at you, I could hurt you. God has to be careful what he does with his glory because it's heavy. And if he were to just show up and be God on the scene with all his glory, we would be dead. So it's actually his mercy that he withdraws himself. And that's what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. 
They brought in a, a characteristics of separation and God had to withdraw or else they would have died. It's his mercy that he withholds himself from us and he's giving us time for his salvation to be worked out in our lives. Eternal salvation happens when we're born again and then transformation salvation happens on an ongoing basis. But again, even right now, even all of those who are born again and have received Jesus as your savior, if he were to show up in his full glory, your body could not handle it. You've got to have a new body before you can enter into his presence. That's why we're waiting on the rapture and waiting on our new bodies when we get to heaven. So the super fog was a intense but not perfect example of what his glory is like. And so we're singing about the glory and we're singing about all those things that I just mentioned that were coming out in worship. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is... This is so much what was in my message. But the story that I want to tell you about how God, this is the testimony part, started two weeks ago. I'll just say before I, before I tell the story, a heaviness had set into my life. There was a sadness and a heaviness that had settled in my life. And my wife was the first one to see it. And I didn't really like her making the observation because it just felt, it felt weird and... Felt like I don't, I don't even want to. <laughs> but I'm, I know I'm thankful for my wife, and my partner, my best friend, and my county partner, and my everything, next to Jesus. I believe that I experienced a big, a large amount of deliverance and transformation. That's, it's, it's still ongoing. I don't want to act like oh, it's all done. But like God started really doing something powerful in the last two weeks. And the way that he did it would not have been a way that I could have ever expected or brought it about. First off, that heaviness was, was due to some burdens, a lot of burdens and challenges and things that I viewed as failures, things that I was just grieved about. And I didn't really realize it, but it was things that I had no, a lot of things I had no control over, nothing, things that I, either I had caused or I had been part of, but I couldn't fix. And so two, two weeks ago, I get a call on a Friday morning from the warehouse manager at the company that one of the companies I do work with. And he's like, man, I need to ask you a big favor. And I get up there. I can't remember. I think he said, just come up here and let me explain it to you. Um, or maybe he explained it on the phone. I don't remember. But I get up there and there's this sweetest dog you've ever seen in your life. And he's like, man, this bad weather's coming in. This dog's been hanging out around here all week. And I just can't bear to let it sit over the weekend. Could you please, please, please? I mean, he was begging me. Just take him home for the weekend. You can bring him back on Monday. And I was like, okay, worst case scenario, he comes back on Monday. Best case scenario, we end up falling in love with him because he was awesome. He was already house trained. He knew all the commands. He was very friendly and lovable. And so... The first 36 hours were very wonderful. <laughs> and, and then Sunday afternoon, without going into the details, but I set him up for failure twice and he failed. And, and it, it scared me and it made me angry. And then it made me, I was like, I'm done. We're, he's, he's out of here. Tomorrow morning, he's out of here. Well, one of his failures happened when he snapped at one of our friend's sons. 
And I brought him around the corner without introducing him, giving him a chance. He just walks around the corner. There's all these people, and one of them's reaching out to say hi. And he's like, I don't know you. He didn't bite him, but it just it freaked me out. And three minutes later, I was supposed to start teaching our youth uh, meeting that we've been having. And I was like adrenaline rush. And I was, it, was, it was the most surreal experience. And the next morning, I was leaving for Mississippi for several days for a project for work. So go to bed, and I wake up in the morning with a different perspective, and I realize, okay, part of what happened was I wasn't being the leader that I needed to be. I wasn't thinking about, I, I really set him up for failure, and he failed. And I realized that still, I told Angel, I'm not selling the dog. I'm not selling him to you. I'm not trying to keep him. I promise I can let go of the dog anytime. I promise. But as I was driving him into the office, I was a few blocks away from the warehouse, and I called the warehouse manager and said, hey, coming back with the dog. I've got to go to Mississippi, and I can't take a dog with me. And he's like, the big boss is coming in. You can't bring that dog back here. Long story short, I ended up taking this stray dog to Mississippi. He stayed in the back of my truck, in my back seat. He was warm. He was fed. But the first couple of hours, he wasn't in his cage. And then all of a sudden, he started getting restless. And then I'm, I'm like, oh, what if he gets aggressive with me while I'm driving down I-10, one of the most dangerous freeways in North America? So I'm, I'm sharing all, all these details because there was a lot of stress in my mind. I'm, I'm going for a big project for work. You don't show up to an industrial site with a dog in your vehicle. In fact, most facilities that you go into, they check your vehicle to make sure that there's no other passengers or animals or contraband. But on the way, I'm having good windshield time with the Lord. I'm thinking. I get his cage out. I isolate him. Okay, we're safety now. I got him a leash and a collar. And all of a sudden, I start realizing that the way that he snapped at me the night before is the same thing that I've done to people that love me when I'm not at my best. And Angie didn't make it any easier because she had, <laughs> she had been seeing some of the positive effects of having this dog over the weekend. And she's like, I don't want the dog, but I feel like you might need the dog. <laughs> and if you do, I'm okay with it because I love you. So that made it worse, and that's when the tears came on, and I was, but I realized, I told her, this is one of the first times I started sobbing, I wouldn't want someone to give up on me. I'm not saying I want to keep the dog, I'm not trying to sell the dog, I at least want to help him find a home. I don't, I wouldn't want someone to give up on me for my failures. And, and I apologized to her, because she's, she's the one that sees me more at my worst than anybody. And that's my team right there, my wife and my daughters. And as I got to the hotel, and like I said, there was these, these different things that God was pouring into me. Sabata's message was that Sunday. Howard Partridge, y'all heard him speak here at Sunday. God reconnected me to him through our church. Um, originally connected me through our church. But some of the things he'd been sharing with me, God was pouring into me. 
the series that we were teaching the youth on Sunday evenings about relationships, God was speaking to me through that. All these things were just coming together, coming together, coming together. And I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I looked up an article. I felt led to look up something on the internet and God showed me some wisdom that I had been lacking on how to work with a dog. And I was like, oh, wow. So I was like, okay. Went back to sleep. And I woke up a few hours later. And again, I was, I was overwhelmed with God's presence and God's love. And God was just breaking things off of me. He was using a dog to put pressure on our life, my life specifically, with there were a lot of things going on, but the dog was the final straw. And the one thing that I realized in that 24-hour period was why I was, one of the reasons I was so upset was that this was just a dog. There, and it, its problems were not that great. And I was upset that I felt powerless, that I, could do, I couldn't do anything more to help the dog. Like, I was upset that I had failed the dog and that I couldn't just fix his problems. And the story gets funnier, and I'm, I'm giving you the heavy parts right now, but the next morning, I woke up at about four or five in the morning, and I felt the peace of Jesus come over me in a way that I haven't felt in years. And I just, everything that was being sung this morning was what I felt. I'm accepted. Doesn't matter all the things that I think are failures in my life. I'm accepted. He loves me. Doesn't matter if the project I'm here to work on goes good or bad. I've done the best I can do. But he loves me for who I am. And I felt led to get my phone and to start taking some notes. And this is the part I wasn't going to share. But after hearing all the things that God was saying in worship, I feel like it really fits. Before I share this, because I'm going to close with this, I said it was going to be a short message. I spent the next Friday going all over Houston trying to help the dog find a new home. And I'm not complaining because I believe God used the situation. There's a, a critical situation in society right now with dogs, animals without homes. And so if you find an injured dog and you try to help it, you just bought the dog. Because if you take it somewhere, then you're abandoning the dog. Shelters are full. There's no room at the end for the dogs. The Humane Society, which is supposed to be a taxpayer-funded entity, they are at capacity. You cannot drop off a dog with them. They tell you to go to a shelter. All the shelters are full. If you hold the dog and you don't take care of the dog, you're abusing the dog. And if you abandon the dog, you're breaking the law. So unless the Lord tells you, don't pick up a stray dog. Unless you are prepared to take critical measures, which I will not mention. <laughs> yeah. I almost called you, Carrie. Um, <laughs> but this is what the Lord said to me after, after I got that revelation of his peace. And it was... Um, He showed it to me. I feel like there's something more that I'm to do with this, and I can't explain that right now, but the way he 
first started speaking to me was showing me, um, I saw myself speaking to these people at the hotel and sharing this with them. And then I realized as I was seeing this, it was actually what he was saying to me at the same time. But have you figured it out? Why you're here? What it's all about? Why you matter? Why you exist? We all have a unique story inside of us. We've all got a why, and there's a reason for why you are here. Someone with a capital S, very special and very important, wants you to know that you are very special and important. You're not an accident, and you weren't designed to be exactly like anyone else, and no one else was designed to be exactly like you. Like a single ray of light, we all have a unique reflection of that someone's glory that we were created to put on display, to give that special someone specific glory, credit, honor, love, attention, intimacy, and more. I know why I'm here now. I can't do what I'm supposed to or created to do without the one who created me. And that's another secret. We weren't created to be or to do life on our own or alone. Our story matters. We were created to have a part to play and say and add to the big story. And then you were singing about bring me into your story. We were separated. We were blind. We were lost. There's, there's more to this monologue, if you will, but it, it, it's not for today. But I just knew that God was putting this all together. God wants to break every chain. He wants us to be caught up in his story. He wants his glory to come like a weighty, disruptive presence that causes everything that's not of him to stop. He wants to show us his face. He wants to rescue us. He wants to bring us back to life. We weren't created to be lost or separated or blind. And if you look at 2 Corinthians 3.17 in the Passion Translation, I'm going to start with 16 and read through 18. This is what the Lord showed me what the secret of that verse is. The moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured, another word for transformed, into his very image as we move from, from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, it's not wherever the Spirit is, there's freedom. It's wherever the Spirit is Lord, there's freedom. And that seems backwards to our way of thinking because that sounds like, well, so wherever the Spirit is the authority, well, authority doesn't give, authority creates freedom. Laws create freedom. His laws create and give freedom. And so what he was showing me through all of this and that verse is that there are areas of our life where we have and or do taste and see that the Lord is good, and we experience his glory. Sometimes it's here on Sunday mornings. Sometimes it's in personal areas of victory, but there's always more areas and more territories that he wants his glory to go. There's always more areas where his spirit wants to be Lord. 
And so the, the two secrets that he gave me to understanding and entering into that mystery is the first is to understand the concepts in that verse, which is what we just talked about. God's spirit, just because he's everywhere, he's not Lord everywhere. And the words in scripture have specific meanings that when we press into them, we can unlock the treasure that's hidden there for us. But the second secret is him being Lord is not always a failure of our choice. In other words, if there's an area of your life, it may not be that you've failed to make him Lord and therefore you need to go fix it. Sometimes there's a stronghold or there's just an absence of understanding and there becomes dryness and heaviness and sadness the enemy takes advantage of and he establishes a lordship, if you will and influencing authority. And so today, I really believe that God wants to move in to more areas of our lives and remove heavinesses, if that's a word, that are not from him. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to carry his glory. I don't know the names of the revivalists, of, of the people that have seen these things, but I've, I've read their stories and there's stories of great men of God and women of God going into cities, going into areas, and they're carrying the presence of God so much that when they walk into a building, people just fall on the floor or start weeping or things just happen in the city, crime goes down. What we're seeing in our world is, is a separation of what's real and what's not. And we're coming to a time where there's no more playing games. There's no more acting, the, the, the line is being drawn down the middle. That's not to say you need to figure out what side you're on. It's just to understand that we have an opportunity and inheritance, a treasure that God wants us to have to carry his glory, to not carry the burdens of false responsibility or false performance or false identity, all the things that suck the life out of us, but to walk in joy and peace, and to be able to minister his goodness and his presence wherever we are. So if you'll stand, Lord, we just want to give you time to have your way in us. You didn't create us to be weighed down with anything other than your glory, your presence. We want to be heavy with you, Lord, and nothing else. I ask right now, Lord, that your spirit would blow. Your wind would move through our lives. That You would show us, help us to identify, to become aware of the areas where the enemy might have established some authority. Show us the places, Father, that we've just not even known needed your authority. But we want to live and walk in your freedom. We want your spirit to be Lord in every area of our life. We want to walk in the fullness of your revelation, Lord Jesus. You are the resurrected Lord. You didn't just die on the cross. You resurrected. And the spirit that raised you from the dead lives in us. You are all we need. You are heaven. We don't have to wait to die to see you, to know you, to receive you. You want to be here with us, in us. 
You alone made that possible. We were lost and separated. We were blind. And you paid the way. You are the avenue. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. So, Lord, have your way in us. Show us how we can respond to you today. If we need to kneel, if we need to ask someone to pray with us, if we need to just recognize something for what it is, and we need someone to help us see that, Lord, release your revelation into our lives. You're so awesome, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for what you started. I don't ever want to pretend like it's come to an end. I want to always be being transformed. I want to go from glory to glory. We want to go from glory to glory, Lord. We want to go from glory to glory. And we want to give you the glory. We want to put you on display. We want to point to you. We want to glorify you. We want to advertise you. We want to celebrate you. We want to know you. We want to walk and live and move and have our being in you. You alone are worthy, Lord. You alone are God. And we just say yes to all that you have. And we, we worship you and thank you that you are doing more than we could ever ask or think or imagine. And I want to say thank you for the way that you are moving in my life. I would have never asked or expected for you to do what you did. I'm thankful. Thank you for this house. Thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for revival. Have your way in us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.